Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen welcomes Dr. Kelly Munger to the show for part one of their two-part discussion on attachment relationships in educational settings. Part two will be released on Tuesday, April 13th. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, getting ready to join you again here today. So let me tell you a little bit about our topic and my guests for today. It's going to be a little bit different because we're going to be looking at attachment relationships in educational settings and the importance of the types of relationships that educators have have with kids and how that relates to academic achievement. So I have joining us here in a few minutes, Kelly Munger, and she is um, a founder and partner in an organization called Fuel Ed. And she'll be telling us more about them and their work, but I'd like to share a bit about Kelly. She holds a BA in English from Auburn University, an MA in teaching from Lee University, and an MA in counseling psychology from Covenant Seminary. She completed her PhD in early intervention and special education at the University of Oregon in 2019. She's a researcher and licensed therapist working in the areas of trauma, adult attachment, special education, and human development. And she's passionate about leveraging the power of relationships to promote developmental flourishing across the lifespan. Wow, that's a great descriptive sentence there at the end. I love that. Um, So Kelly will be joining us in just a minute. Uh, Stay tuned. Join the Knowledge Center for an experiential workshop designed to support successful engagement of parents in the child therapy process. Karen Doyle Buckwalter will be joined by Daphna Lender for the other half of the equation, engaging parents in child therapy. This two-day workshop on April 28th and 29th will focus on how to identify parents who need more focused work, how to set goals for the parent, how to help parents initiate relationship repair, and more areas to help the child, parent, and therapist get the most out of the therapy session. Registration is now open. For more information or to register for the workshop, head to tkcchaddock.org. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast today. I'm so excited to talk with you about this topic of the impact of relationships and attachment on education. This is great. Thank you so much for having me, and I am really excited to talk yeah, about Yeah, yeah. So, you know, how did you first start getting interested in looking at this intersection of attachment theory and relationships and how that impacts education? Where did that all come from for you? Sort of your informal introduction of how you got into this, because I shared with listeners some of your educational background. Awesome. All right. Well, it's a pretty good story. Uh, so early in my career, I started in education in a pretty unique way. I taught overseas in China for two years. And oh, then, wow. Yeah. And then came back to the States to have my first baby um, and ended up in working in homebound education. Um, oh, wow. Okay. 
special education students or students who had um, maybe like medical um, complications happening. And, and so from there, I became a therapist. Um, and so it was sort of like one long circle or one big circle because in my work as a therapist, I began to see, oh, there's not enough collaboration. There's not enough linking between what we do 40 hours a week at school and what we do in the therapy room for an hour a week. Uh, and I really began to get really interested in, wow, this system, we have to leverage uh, these relationships, right? Between right. teachers and their students, between teachers and families uh, in order to see students really flourish, especially students who might have extra or special needs or exceptionalities. So um, then I went back and got my PhD and I met Megan, FuelEd's founder. And uh, once she began to tell me about FuelEd's work, I was all in and ready to go. And so I've been working at that intersection ever since. That's great. You know, I think that, you know, there's so much data out there about how secure attachment or lack of secure attachment or disorganized attachment impact the trajectory of development in in terms of education and even how kids are viewed and how teachers view them. You know, when we look at Alan Struth's longitudinal study who looked at every possible angle there is and but it just sometimes seems like if we get too much into talking about relationships and therapy like that, that's off-putting to educators, you know? And so I was so excited to see what you guys are doing and really looking at, at both of these issues in, in a very, in, in how they interface, because I, I, I think sometimes educators are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're here to teach kids something. We're not here to be a therapist. You know, we're not here to, um, be a counselor. I mean, we're here to teach. Um, and I think that can sometimes be a barrier. So maybe before we even get into some specific content, how, how have you found, because I know a lot of our listeners are thinking, oh, I want to get the school on board, but, you know, sometimes they think I'm too therapisty, and they don't want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> That's a great word. <laughs> Right. It's so interesting because like I said, so I have a master's in teaching and I have a master's in counseling psychology. So I have, yes. I have a licensed teacher and I'm currently a licensed therapist. Um, and so I'm also, I should say, married to a teacher. So okay. my husband is a veteran, 21 year high school science teacher. Wow. Um, so if you can get him on board, then you know, you can get others on board, right? <laughs> Exactly. Well, I've been, you know, he and I have had this very rich, long conversation in our marriage that spans two decades about this intersection. Mm -hmm. And even um, one of my one of my favorite stories is that my my husband two years ago for, for Father's Day, a group of students got together and and gave him a stack of Father's Day cards. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Right. That's amazing. But I think that that is uh, part of the fruit of our long conversations and him really seeing, oh, okay, so I'm not a therapist. You're right. I'm a teacher. But that the intersection is a secure attachment. Yes. Not necessarily at therapy. And yes. so I think that sometimes teachers 
and and I and I get it would feel um, unprepared, overwhelmed by the idea of being a therapist in their classrooms. But the idea of being a secure attachment figure is something that once once you can provide sort of the science behind that, um, some of that sort of basic knowledge, then teachers can say, oh, I think I can do that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love, I love how you're separating that out. And, you know, I was, as I was getting ready for this interview, I was wishing I could remember where I had read this, but I had read a study at one point and it was talking about, um, secondary attachment figures and and maybe if a child ha, does not have secure attachment with a with a parent who are they most likely to have you know in in the orbit around them um a, a secure attachment relationship with and i remember i i was like in my head, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a grandparent or it's going to be an auntie. You know, that's where I was going. And uh, it was a teacher. Yeah. And that just really hit me about, well, think about this. Yeah. I mean, they're often with a kid, like a child all day long. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Okay, so some of my preconceived notions are coming into play here because I was, you know, expecting it to to say a family member and it did not say a family member. And I see you shaking your head. What do you have to say about that? Well, I think it's interesting. I would love I I I wonder if there's data about that across cultures. I think particularly in our culture, there's not a widespread or uniform emphasis on that sort of allo parenting or grandparenting culture. And, and so I think that particularly in a, in a really individualistic or a more individually oriented culture, uh, teachers really are spending the most time with children, sometimes even over and above parents. Yes. But, but definitely yes. above grandparents and aunties and a lot of, a lot of families. That's certainly not true across the board. Right. But I, I think I'm not surprised by that because of the sheer number of hours that teachers invest in relationships with kids, um, that that translates to that relational capital, those moments of shared joy being known and seen and felt by someone. Yes. Yes. And and the structure and consistency of school is is sort of that framework, like a trellis for those relationships to grow on. Yes, absolutely. And so I know that you, um, part of the education you do with teachers is just about brain development in general and you know how that relates to regulation and impulse control and all of the things that they see day in and day out from students so could you share with listeners maybe a couple key nuggets that that you have found um, teachers very receptive to as you talk about some of those things Sure. So, oh, well, I could share a lot of nuggets, but I'll start. <laughs> so one would just be the idea that stress and trauma and a lack of safety actually shuts down learning, growth and relationships. And but on the other hand, <laughs> uh-huh. 
a secure presence, someone, i.e. a teacher that you feel safe and seen with can actually light up the part of the brain that's ready to learn, ready to connect, ready to grow. Yes. Teachers, of course, have a lot of buy-in to these ideas. Yes. They are generally passionate about learning, development, flourishing, growth. That is, they wouldn't do it if they didn't care about that. Right. Why would you be a teacher if that wasn't something you're really invested in? Right. So seeing that security within the teacher actually fuels growth within a student is very exciting and motivating and it fuel ed. That's a huge foundation of what we do. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is a big part of it is child development. Like teachers know about child development. I mean, they learn about about this and consider this in terms of readiness to learn and, you know, even different depending what age you're certified to teach in, all of that relates to child development and and readiness to learn. So that does seem like it would be a really um, great way to help them relate to what they're trying to accomplish, like you said. Yeah. And then, and then maybe the missing part, right, in how we prepare teachers, and this was really part of Megan's story, founding people ed, um, is that we're not, we're trained in child development in our pre-service, sort of our teacher preparation programs, right? You learn about what is a typical development look like? What is atypical development look like? What we spend, I think, and I think uh, Fuel Ed, at Fuel Ed, we believe that we spend too little time talking about what actually fuels that development. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. relationships, no matter what a child brings, in terms of their genetic or environmental endowment, that relationships are a protective buffer and they do spark all kinds of growth and all kinds of children. Mm-hmm. And so um, part of, like, to go a little deeper with that, another thing that most teachers are unaware of is this idea of regulation being a parallel process, mm-hmm. right? And so the attachment figure is actually regulating the child or student or even the colleague who's distressed. Yes. Right. And I'm talking about relationships between admin and teachers or between teachers and teachers that when you have a regulated and secure caregiver or secure attachment provider, that that's actually foundational to a child being able to learn to inhibit an impulse or um, to calm down after becoming upset to return to calm. Mm-hmm. So the idea that, um, yeah, first we need to understand development and what it looks like, but also how do we leverage security and relationships between teachers and students to create a calm, ready to learn, regulated student? Yeah, um, yeah. That part's well, right here, but. <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of like, uh, it, it's not just this is child development and there it is. It's a static thing. And this is where that kid's at, but more, how, how do I impact that? Or how do I help with that? Or, you know, what, what can I do to further that if maybe a child is not where we would hope for them to be chronologically or or something like that based, based on that. So, yeah, I can see that, um, those concepts really, really being helpful. So, um, well, 
another thing that um, you, I think meant that you're familiar with, because I've seen you guys write about this, that I think is important for, for listeners to hear about is what are, when you look at, if you look at attachment um, and secure attachment versus insecure attachment, what are some of the things in the literature that this has an impact on um, in, from an education perspective? Right. So um, impact on students. Yes. Uh, yes. Right. So um, with with a history or with enough experience with secure attachment, you're going to see students who have more self-regulation, which is something we're all really interested in, especially these Um, you're going to have students who are able to approach, um, you know, challenges with more confidence. You're going to have students who are going to have increased interpersonal awareness and interpersonal skills. Um, Because that's been modeled and experienced, they're able to give and receive empathy, care. um, Yes. Kind of, uh, you're going to see increased collaboration and relationships. And um, and then, of course, just increased academic competence. um, Yes. From, you know, where where they are versus where they would have been without that secure Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, um, one of the things that I think about a lot with attachment theory as it relates to these kind of things that you're talking about is the whole safe haven and secure base concept. And that, you know, what you're saying, and and we know um, that part of that I I think of circle of security and the idea of going out and exploring the world and then coming back into to refuel. Um, And um, that if you never feel secure enough to go out and explore, it's going to be hard for you to learn new things. And so I think, you know, this idea that the more safe and secure a child feels, you know, the more likely they're I mean, learning new things is taking a risk. Yeah. And I think that that's where we see a lot of kids collapse who do not have a secure attachment history or who have trauma in their background. Um, I remember I was supervising um, a series of therapy groups in, in the public school in a crosscut special ed classroom. And one of the things that the teacher said um, at the end, I did interviews with the impact of the groups. And she said that the kids were more willing to take a risk. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So that actually reminds me of um, when I was similarly, I was doing some research in some early education environments. And this was a very, very high trauma and high stress um, environment. And when the kids would first show up in the classroom, they would always sort of glue themselves to the walls. (laughs) around the classroom and it was sort of this self-protective so interesting i got my back to the wall not to the door i'm not actually free to sort of play and move about and explore 
And so as those students began to feel a sense of safe haven with that teacher that they were forming that relationship with, then you began to see more circling and more, and these are young children, right? But you began to see literally more movement. I mean, if I could put a GPS on, on those kids, it would be amazing to watch how much more movement and motor movement you're seeing as they began to feel more safe and secure. That's fascinating. You know, it reminds me of how I always want a table in a corner against a wall at a restaurant. You, like you feel so exposed in the middle, you know, who, who wants that middle table, you know, <laughs> right? And so, and so as the kids, you know, felt more comfortable and more secure, it sounds like, you know, they were willing to venture out to a middle table or across the river, whatever. Start scooting around. Well, yeah. you think of attachment as that invisible string, right? From yes. other, they show up in that classroom. They don't have that string. And so they sort of stick to the wall because there's no better choice. Hmm. Once that little string is woven between the teacher and the student, then the, the student becomes more free. And it's, it is a paradox about attachment. Yes. The independence, risk-taking challenge in, in kids who know that they have somewhere to return if things don't go well or if the challenge is really difficult. Right, right. That back to that safe haven and secure base. Yeah, yeah. I so love that. That's that's a really fascinating example. I know now I want to do that study. Yeah, <laughs> 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 on these kids. Yeah, I would say the same for uh, my husband. His classroom is always a safe haven for for his students, they're they're there during lunch break. They're there during their breaks. They those high school students circle back around to him um, throughout the day, even if they don't have him in class. And that so I just see that as like the bottom of the circle and circle of security. You know, like coming back and and refueling so that you can go back out into the world and face whatever is happening. Um, this. That's so neat to see that in an educational setting. And, you know, we can all probably even remember from our, you know, I just, <laughs> this is really out there, but I'm going to share it. Um, you know, I'm in this Facebook group with people I graduated with, you know, class of 1983 at my high school. <laughs> and I posted this, this, this uh, post um, and said, write something about one of your favorite teachers. And it was really amazing to see like all the things that people remembered. I mean, well, I was in elementary school and, you know, Miss Mrs. So-and-so, I remember her bringing my work when I had a broken leg. And I, you know, I remember Miss So-and-so doing, you know, bringing me a, a something in the hospital. And I mean, it was really amazing. And then I have this, pillow that my English teacher embroidered with my initial and she gave it to me when I graduated from high school and I still have it and so I wrote oh you know Mrs. So-and-so made me and this other classmate I tagged the classmate a pillow like this and I showed a picture of it I still have it from 1983 and my classmate took a picture and she had the pillow too we both had carted this pillow around from our English teacher since 1983. It's a transitional object. 
something. Yeah. I mean, I took it to college. I took it all these places with me. And it's just, yeah. Can you believe that? I can because you internalized her as an attachment figure. And yep. it you weren't gonna you wouldn't throw away a picture of your mother. You're not gonna throw away that embroidered Nope. Nope. And, you know, I thought, oh, wow, I'm sure my my uh, my friend, you know, doesn't have hers anymore. And sure enough, she had hers. Wow. So. Well, we often think at FuelEd about just how many educators don't know about their impact in terms of attachment. And that's that's part of our work is is not just to help educators to grow, but also to honor and value educators and to <clears throat> give them a sense of themselves. And right. I think a lot of educators, yeah, yeah, yeah. We give like, teachers are heroes, all of that, but they don't um, necessarily have the words and the science around attachment and around the power of attachment. Mm. And even giving that to teachers is a gift. It's a way of saying, wow, we, what you do is amazing and powerful. Well, you know, I love that. Um, and somebody in this little group said, we need to contact some of these yeah, teachers and true. tell them the impact that they had. So now you're inspiring me to uh, try to look some of them up and go do that. So it really is, um, when you frame it that way, such an opportunity and to really, um, Yes, of course, you're having an impact on their education, but just having an impact on the trajectory of their life, just in relationships for the future and other aspects of their lives is just amazing. Yeah. And I can say as a therapist, how many stories have I heard from adults about well, when I was scared, I would run to school because about the embroidered pillow they've carried out of just the idea of when I was afraid, I had one safe place and it was school. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't because the building was awesome. It was because the people in the building were awesome. Yes. Yes. Well, Kelly, I am so loving this conversation and everybody, I look forward for you joining us next week for uh, part two um, with Kelly. And she is from Fuel Ed, if you want to look up some of their uh, additional work. But, but Kelly will be joining us again next week. So um, please join us. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.